Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 68. Next one. Yeah, I might as well just blow right through this one. <laughs> Honestly. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. As always. Uh, and unlike always, although it probably should be always, Emily, what is it we do here? Every <laughs> time you bring this up, it's like, okay, we haven't said that in a while. <laughs> what do we do here? Well, Nick, we take a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW uh, yeah. in the late 90s. We've probably updated it and gone back to the verbiage about four times since then. I like it. It's succinct. <laughs> I think I've, uh, I've used the phrase, trudge through, through the muck and the mire, which is Vince yeah. Russo's WCW. Head toward the impending doom. Yeah, lots of phrases have been said. But it's the same thing. We watch weekly episodes of Monday Nitro from, I think we started in 98, and now we're into the end of 99, and we watch and take note on every episode and then every pay-per-view, and we sit here and we talk about them. Yeah. Ta-da. I think for a while, our goal was to figure out, like, was it all really that bad? And now it's really more, how bad is it going to (laughs) get? No, it really was, like, did this show just get lost to the lore like was it actually that bad or was it just you know 90s memories of like oh no raw was amazing so like obviously also wwe just writing themselves as the heroes in the story exactly yeah so was i just being told vince mcmahon's narrative of everything or was it actually that bad turns out it's the latter listen it's been established attitude era ain't perfect either but um, no it's not it's easy to see why they were winning their storyline and follow through and consequences to actions. Huh. And say what you will, even the lowbrow stuff actually feels like, okay, like they're executing exactly what they want versus... Yeah. It's almost like they have they writers want. on that show. Real funny, fucking writers. Well, the funniest thing is up until, you know, two months ago, the the, the writers there were, are the writers here. Which still blows my mind. I'm so excited to read that rope opera book that we got. I'm not. I want to. I feel like there's going to be a lot of Jesus... So Nick bought Vince Russo's Rope Opera book. Or what, yeah, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, I think it's called Rope Opera, or, or How WCW Killed Vince Russo. Yeah, I'm literally looking at it on the uh, bookshelf now. But he bought this, like, months ago. And I was so excited when it came in, I was like, oh, I'm going to read it. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, why? He says it's all full of spoilers. I just want to read the book. Well, you could probably read it before the end of the podcast, but uh, yeah. after Vince Russo leaves. For the last time. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about the November 22nd, 1999, Monday Nitro, live from the Palace in Auburn Hills, Michigan. I don't know why I knew that was called the Palace, yeah. but I did for some reason. Uh, ratings are up for this show. Okay, see, that kind of makes sense because like, we were talking about Mayhem, and when you were saying that they were negative star matches... Was that, like, released the day after the pay-per-view? Was that, like, on a blog or something the day after the pay-per-view? I think usually it takes a couple days, but... I don't I don't agree with those ratings, because I thought Mayhem was pretty good. So it makes sense to me that this would be up in ratings. Yeah. And, I mean, in, in 99, the subset of the audience who's reading the Wrestling Observer is probably not as large as people who are, like, aware of it now. No, absolutely. But, yeah, so this show did a 3.4 to Raw's 5.5. Not as big of a gap. No. Well, I think part of it was there was a really underwhelming Raw main event that I saw. Oh, really? It was Triple H versus the Acolytes. Oh. Yeah, who'd care? I think next week is the uh, Tess and Stephanie wedding. Really? Oh, no. It's either next week or the week after. Wait, is that, that that wedding is when it's revealed that she like got drugged and married Triple H in a drive-thru chapel? Yes, except Fun. they retconned that to where she wasn't actually drugged. Yeah, 
but they don't you don't know that they read kind of for a couple weeks yeah. okay we open backstage shitty cold open jeff jarrett's here says he's the chosen one i don't think he's ever said that before do you think he has stroke tonight he takes matters into his own hands He's just like angrily walking backstage with a guitar. Yeah. They love this shot. Like, they do this with like every wrestler. I did laugh at He's not talking to anybody. He just goes, no. I'm the chosen one. He, this is his inner monologue that he is just talking out loud. This is He's speaking to himself. These are like words of, these are, this is positive affirmations for the day. Are you saying Jeff Jarrett has, has a vision board? Yes. His vision board is just on the back of his guitar. I hope not. He would lose it every week. He has a million of them. Different vision boards. It's weekly vision boards. We think at the Nitro opening and the opening pyro, Tony and Bobby are on commentary. I'm literally waiting like any day now. And I'm like, oh God, wait. I know Bobby gets phased out. Mm. We've said it before. Once we hear Mark Madden. <laughs> oh, no. Bret Hart comes out with his newly won WCW title. Looking like, quite shiny. Yeah, it's like extra shiny. Like he got it polished before this. We get some Nitro stills of his pay-per-view matches. So Brett gets in the ring, talks about almost quitting back when, you know, he had a lot of family drama at various points. Yeah, he probably should have quit. Says he'll be the best WCW champion ever. He then thanks his fans and dedicates the win to his dad. Listen, man, the bar is pretty low for best WCW champion ever. It's it's not a high bar. I mean, flair. well, for us, it's not. For, no, the, prior people, to us. the people that have worn it are good wrestlers, but I can't tell you anything about their run as champion being like good matches. I was saying, during our run, yes. Yeah. Prior to our run, there was some quality. Bert then says he's going to do the right thing and just challenges Goldberg to a title match at Starcade. He said something about, like, makeup for the screwy finish or the screwiness. He said the word screw. Yeah, he was talking about how he won the U.S. title at the beginning of the kind of build to the last pay-per-view. Remember that there was, like, the, it was the first round tournament matchup? Yeah, where... no, no. I remember. I remember the story. I was just thinking that it was funny that he used the word screw. I'm thinking that was fed to him. I mean, maybe a little bit. Also, we're watching um, early 97 uh, Raws. We really jump around in our personal And Bret Hart's watching. talking a lot about getting screwed, and I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, there was a whole storyline in early 97 about like him quitting because Vince McMahon doesn't respect him or something, and he feels like he's getting screwed by the writer. This is before the screw job. <laughs> It's uh, bizarre. Honestly, like Montreal wasn't a work, but goddamn, so there's, some, there's, there's certain segments that if you just cut these together, you, you can make me believe it. I did also, I do continue to laugh at Bret Hart being complimentary of Bill Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, every time he says something complimentary, I'm like, wow, he would never say that in 2022. The Outsiders then interrupt and uh, Scott Hall comes out looking a little worse for wear. They both look a little drunk and confused. Yeah. Hall, I think Hall is the only one who's slurring of the two. Yes, but that's also... It's really hard to tell when he's slurring and when he's in character. Yeah. Because his character is very like, ah, my, my, like, it's got like a lax, lackadaisical sort of vibe to him. So is he slurring or is he just in character? Yeah, like the, you know, like the character might come out wearing a t-shirt for the local strip club. That's the thing. Yeah, it would. And then mention it and it gets a massive pop and I'm like, Jesus, guys, all of you? It's hard to tell where Scott Hall, the wrestler, ends and Scott Hall, the person, begins. Same with Kevin Nash. Like, I don't know where the wrestler ends and the person begins. Like, they're kind of just playing themselves. But I know that they're also characters. It's it's hard to tell, especially because we know what happens in their, like, future lives. Oh, Emily, quick. Name a strip club in Baltimore. No. <laughs> anyway, Hall says he and Nash don't care about doing things the right way and that Hart should learn from them. 
Also says they took WCW from the outhouse to the penthouse in a line I liked. That is a good line. Nash? Not true, but good line. I mean... National mm. took WCW to like higher grounds? The, the NWO did. Oh, okay. NWO did. Yes, they and, didn't on their own. Yeah, but they're two-thirds of the original NWO that like sparked all the interest. Yeah, I guess. I don't want to give them that kind of credit. Because they're also here for the fall. So never forget. Yeah. They're part of this. <laughs> Not relevant. I'm going to cut this. Have you seen the like the comic of like Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and he's talking about like autumn? Yes. And he's like walking around in scarves and like yeah. picking leaves and going pumpkin patch. Like, yeah, it's adorable. It's wholesome as hell. In a weird moment, Nash challenges Bret Hart and Goldberg to a tag team match. And Hart's like, yeah, cool. Like, I feel like they should be forced into that match. Not like, You would think. But cool. So we have our main event tonight. It'll be Kevin Nash and Scott Hall against Bill Goldberg and Bret Hart. And the segment's ending, and then all of a sudden Jeff Jarrett comes out, hits Bret over the head with a guitar. Because that's all he does. Well, no. He does do three other things. No, that's just like his whole gimmick. It's just hitting people with guitars. Yes, and well, he also then calls them slap nuts, says he's the chosen one, and then says that the title belongs to him and then leaves with the belt. Of course, of course, of course. So Tony and Bobby then chat the rest of the night. We're going to get Conan and Kidman versus Creative Control for the tag team titles. Vampiro versus The Wall, making his WCW actual match debut. Wow. Even though he basically wrestled on the pay-per-view. Yeah. He, he wasn't technically in that match. Who's excited? Booker T versus Buff Bagwell. Who's excited? Spice versus Tigress. My girl. And I don't a, even remember that match. There's a reason. And then a flag match between Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, which I'm like... <sighs> which we're all confused about, and we'll get to it. I still remember saying at one point in this podcast, you know, I don't think Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko have a lot of matches. They do and they don't. They basically just do this one feud, and none of these are memorable. Yeah, fair. Which is a bummer. We go backstage. Mike tonight interviews Kurt Hennig. And Hennig's here to say he, he won't wrestle again, but he's just going to go out and kind of say goodbye. The whole time, there was this like underlying music of really shitty piano being played. I was like, my God, this is annoying. What is that? And they pan over. Remember Maestro? It's the Maestro. Remember the floating piano guy that I was like, this definitely has nothing to do with Sid. Or does, What was my argument that it does no. have something to do with Sid? Yes, I was saying I thought it was separate. And you're like, it absolutely The way does. he was presented in that segment, I stand by. He had to have. Like, okay. I still stand by that. Like, it wouldn't make sense for the timing for them to not have anything to do with each other. Obviously, they didn't looking forward now. But at the time, I stand by it. Okay, so by that logic, does he have something here with Kurt Hennig? No, because it's a through line of the entire episode. The only reason I had that argument was because he only showed up in that show when Sid was out. That was it. So obviously it had to be about Sid. Yes. However, I know we've talked about him before for some reason. And I, and I think you were actually like waiting to give me credit. Will you actually give me credit that there was no correlation? I won't give you credit. I stand by my. I, I stand by what I said. But he should have. But there was nothing. But he should have. But there wasn't. I gave you props two weeks ago when you wrote the show better than the writers. I'm not giving you props this week. I've hit my my props quota. <laughs> but this is a through line for the whole episode where this like rinky tinky bad piano is played throughout the entirety of the I wasn't listening segments. to it closely enough. To oh, it's like, awful. Yeah. It's so awful. There's no through line. There's no melody. There's nothing happening. It's... All right, com- compare this to the marching band uh, that played John Cena at WrestleMania 24. Oh, oh I don't want to. <laughs> Which I feel like normally if I do something that obscure, you'd be like, I don't fucking remember. Oh, so but because bad. it's the band, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh I remember. So I'm going to say this was worse because I'm going to give the band the benefit of the doubt that they were mic'd poorly. 
Oh, I see, have to. See, I was going to say, I, I I think the band loses more points because they're like being hired for like, you are a band. This is somebody who's like a wrestler. I have to give I have to give the band more credit. They have to have been poorly mic'd. Uh, oh, it was so bad. We stay backstage. Kidman apparently has lost his camera. Him and Conan are heading to the ring. Conan's like, dude, we have a match. Can you, like, get the fuck over this? I totally missed that whole storyline. Yeah, it was... They kind of mumbled it and moved on really quickly. I did not catch any of that. And then we go elsewhere backstage. It's this fucking character that won't die. It's Oklahoma and Steve Williams are here and they're just going through backstage. That's they do. I still don't understand why Steve Williams is here, if I'm honest. I just don't get it. Because Jim Ross. I understand that he is, like, friends with Jim Ross or something or was former friends. But what is he... I, why Why is he here? Because if he's not here, then Oklahoma has no reason to currently appear on television. What is Steve Williams bringing to the Oklahoma character? Oh, nothing. Well, so, it, that's what I'm saying. Purpose. He's, he's not, bringing purpose. But he's not. It seems stupid. I don't know. He doesn't do Because Oklahoma was only here as Steve Williams' manager. But Steve Williams isn't doing anything to warrant a manager. By the way, I did look since the last episode. Steve Williams will actually wrestle a match. Okay. Um, I want to say he'll be gone by the end of the year. Oh, Jesus. We're like at the end of November. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I stand God. by. This is a really fucking stupid gimmick. Oh, God. And then um, we go elsewhere backstage. Tony Marinara is here oh, with... Oh um, with the goons. The goons. So they do eventually get a name. I don't really know if it's their last name or what. They are the Mamalukes. The Mamalukes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it is Big Vito, who I think my only like context for is he's the guy who goes on to wear a dress in WWE on like Velocity, like not I even like no memory of barely that. make like 2006. Oh, I don't. Th- yeah. Why is that even notable? Perry Saturn did it first. Well, because he shows up in the uh, SmackDown versus Raw games wearing a dress, and oh. like, who is this guy? And then uh, his 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 partner is a guy named Johnny the Bull. Who has become an internet meme. Johnny the Bull? Yes. And I don't think it's even really because of him. It's really, really more the commentary presentation of him when he went to TNA. He played a character named Relic. Okay. Relic was spelled R-E-L-L-I-K. Pretty much every time he'd come out, they go, you know, Relic is killer spelled backwards. Oh, of course. <laughs> it was like every fucking time. Oh, and of it's course. Like, also... I could be wrong. Sorry, I don't know my TNA relic lore that well. It's either him or somebody else is from like the deepest, darkest corner of like Dustin Rhodes's mind. Oh no! It, it might be Black Rain is from there, but I think Relic does tie. Is he in like somehow. billed as from there? Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Or, oh god, there's so many stupid things involving Dustin Rhodes's uh, TNA run. Trust me, OSW and OSW fans know all about it. Oh, God. Meow, meow, meow. The Italians, they just make mafia references. And Johnny the Bull, like, very earnestly is like, can I, like, get a cheese sandwich? Like, give the man a sandwich. He's hungry. (laughs) Basically, they're just two dumb big galoots. The goons. I like the word goon. So, they're after Disco Inferno. We then go to the room, so. Lex Luger and Russo chat there. Luger basically pitches to have Liz wrestle Meng. It's like, yeah, I have her contract. She's in debt, so she, she has to do this. She me over. Yeah. She has to do this match now. Which is just, like, really toxic and shitty. Yeah. 
We then cut to Liz for like four seconds of her being in disbelief. Let's go to our first match tonight. It is Creative Control, Patrick and Gerald versus Conan and Billy Kidman for the tag team titles. This match is literally happening. The whole setup for this match is because Billy Kidman covered up Tori in that itsy bitsy bikini match at Mayhem. That's the whole setup for this. That's it. She was the ref for a match. Yeah. It was not a bikini match. But he, she was and in a was, tiny bikini was and she at, was uncomfortable and, and Billy covered ni- her up. It was at Nitro, so they didn't even do it on pay-per-view. No. Oh. Whatever. Still stupid. Even worse then. Why are we doing this match? Creative Control work over Kidman is commentary notes that they have no idea which one is which. And there's a whole thing where apparently neither one of them wants to be Patrick, which... Is Patrick the gay one? Yeah, I actually... I think oh I might have cut God. out me saying that of like, oh... <laughs> enough problems with the nazis do we need to go deeper yes obviously well i'll, I'll tell you what needs to go deeper they're fucking shirts into their pants because the, <laughs> yeah. that shit comes untucked they do like a fucking punch and it's like okay well let me just tuck this back Give me in a second <laughs> like you, you need to take a, a page out of bret hart's book i don't know that you realize this bret hart is wearing a singlet under his tights that makes sense yeah yeah because he has like the, the, yeah, the yeah. double layer thing so yeah that's why you never actually see like his like belly. It's very Trish Stratus. Don't fuck with your gear. No. <laughs> I'm like, don't what? touch your gear. Like, what Trish Stratus gear are you thinking of? That's her whole thing. Like, yeah. don't touch your gear. Shane McMahon would like a word. Also, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> oh also, Bully god. Ray. Oh my god, Ronda Rousey's terrible. Yeah. Oh my god, girl, stop touching your clothes. We got big power moves to Kidman. Kidman hits Kidman faction and gets the hot tag to Conan. <laughs> Speaking of. We get two rolling clotheslines from Conan and then, then a face buster. And then for some reason, we see up on like the Titantrons, Eddie and Tori are just like in a locker room. Flirting. Just having a chat. Yeah, they're not flirting. <laughs> they're just talking. Kidman is like, what the fuck is this? Just sprints to the back. Just abandons Conan. Yeah. I mean, seems to be a theme with the uh, filthy animals. Yeah, just- dissension. <laughs> Creative Control work over Conan, spinning back suplex to Conan, and Creative Control just win off of that. It's kind of lame. Yeah. New champions. Yeah. Woo. I'm that not, was so fucking lame. Yeah, that was I'm the not lamest match. Terribly excited about that. No. Filthy so animals are just falling apart. I was so interested in this to the point where later on in the show, there's a shot of Patrick and Gerald in the room cell with the belts. And I'm like, oh, when did they win those? Yeah. It was really like a non moment. That's part of the problem with when you don't let people celebrate that they won the match. Yeah, is... it doesn't. It doesn't land. Yeah, especially when they they win a title. Yeah. We see backstage Kidman storms in into the locker room and just immediately is throwing hands at Eddie, like like doesn't ask a question. Just... No, no clarification. No, hey, what's going on here? Just immediately pounding on your supposed friend. Like, what's happening? Is Kidman so insecure? This is pathetic. I love him, and this is pathetic. Do better, Billy Kidman. Know your worth, man. Love uh, yourself. Listen, I love Billy Kidman. I still don't know that his, his worth is Tori Wilson. He married her. <laughs> I know. People can settle, Emily. Yeah, I know. We get a quick cut from Billy Kidman throwing hands to Bret Hart and Goldberg being interviewed. Hart says they'll take care of Jarrett next week. And he's like, all right, outsiders this week, Jarrett next week. It's fine. Goldberg's like, no, nope, no, nope, you, you take care of Jarrett. I'll take care of the outsiders. So now Mike, it's a handicap match. But Mike Tenet is like, that's going to be a handicap match. She must be crazy. And Bill's like, I got something. Yeah. We, uh, he has some backup for later. So Ooh, it seems. could it be? Then go elsewhere backstage. Spice is in the locker room. And Emily, who else is here? Okay. I'm livid. 
Because do you, listeners, do you remember how for the last like six fucking weeks we have been going through the Nitro Girls competition, going through all of the candidates? It was like like, like 10 to 12 weeks. A long ass time. We were going through all the candidates, citing like all their, um, you know, all their accolades and all this like stuff about them. Assuming we would get to the end and there would be a tournament and we would get to know who wins. That was the whole point of this like 12 week build. The whole fucking point was to figure out who the new Nitro girl would be. It was supposed to be a comp of fucking Titian. <sighs> Stacy Keebler is just hanging out backstage now, going by the name Sky. And I guess she just won. I guess she won. We never get any closure on any of the other girls in that competition. I am livid. I knew that Stacy was going to win, but I needed the closure. I needed to watch her win. I needed to see who she was up against in the finals. I needed to know who got to the final four or whatever. And I, I will never know. And now Stacey's just backstage like, please, Spice, don't do this fight. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Well, I was laughing. It's like, please don't do this fight. I just got here. Please don't break up the night show, girls. Don't put me out of a job. Oh, my God. I was livid. Absolutely livid. So we'll get to this segment basically again later. Um, <sighs> oh, my God. I'm so mad. Now he did again. Look what you did. Elsewhere backstage, no hard feelings between Buff Bagwell and Kurt Hennig. With the piano man behind yep, them. the maestro. <laughs> Don't call him the piano man. Sing us a song, you're the piano man. We get Norman Smiley coming out to the ring in full Lions football gear. We get some nitro stills of his win the previous night. But based on his uh, Lions gear, we had to ask... Ironically, I don't think any of the, the like Pokemon lions all actually fit all that well. No, they're all fire types. If you don't know the, the lions' colors, just because you don't follow football, this or... is the Detroit Lions. Yes, for our not American listeners, Detroit, Michigan Lions football team. Yeah, it's the closest team like, they have to where they are. This is a light blue, little bit of silver, a little bit of white. I think there is a little bit of silver in there, but this it, is where it's Nick puts in the semantics so that he can get this really obscure fucking Pokemon to match. No, it is mostly blue and white. There might there might be a little bit of silver. I don't know how well the rip kind of picks things up. But Emily, what did you get for this? I picked Azumarill. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You never like my picks. It's a little more deep blue. It's not all that it's light not blue. It's not deep blue. It's the same shade uh, of fucking blue. It's more royal blue. It's I'm not. Saying. Sorry, I've been seeing a lot of Azumarill just because... It's not royal blue. It's like, oh, is there like a, a, a six or seven star raid in Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet? Azumarill, belly drum, play rough. It's a royal blue Pokemon. Nick, that is not... Ro- royal blue? Are you shitting my dick? That is light... Fuck, that's sky blue. Do you know, do you know what... Do you know what royal blue looks like? Do we have a colors lesson? So I went Alolan Ninetales. I knew you'd do something fucking weird. Well, I was I was told my first pick of Altaria wasn't allowed. What was it? Alolan Ninetales. I also don't think this matches the vibe. Oh, that, no, I 100% disagree with this one. This is so white. There's no blue in this. This is like icy. It is nice tape. No, disagree. I'll post this one on Twitter. So Norman has a mic. It says he's so hardcore. He drank milk this morning, two days past his expiration. Ooh, so tough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Nick you, could not relate. I was going to say, if you if you want to be really hardcore, drink Harris Cedar milk two days before its expiration. <laughs> You'd be the fucking same. I had a bowl of nails for breakfast without any milk. Norman challenges basically anybody who doubts him, and then we get Fit Finley running out, looking like a lad. To no fanfare. No. No one gave a shit that he was here. You could have heard a pin drop. It was sad. It was really sad. 
Yeah, Finley's not a big return pop kind of guy. No, but he should have gotten something. Finley low blows Norman mid big wiggle and then beats him down using his own helmet. Commentary does actually reference the Junkyard Invitational. I think both of us were a little surprised, but you kind of need to do that yeah. to give this beatdown context. Well, it reminds you why we haven't seen Finley in months. That wasn't even why. I thought that was. No, he got hurt separate from that. Oh, I thought he got hurt. I think. The, I thought he got hurt at the Junkyard. Well, he won that match. Yeah, but I thought he got hurt and then had to leave. I thought he got hurt separately, but either way, like, they, they're like, yeah, they crowned him the hardcore champion. Also, Norman, the first hardcore champion. And I'm like, which, yeah, what? which one. one is it? So Finley beats Norman down for a while to the point where they just like fade to commentary mid-beat. I like, yeah. They're like, you get the gist. And and so on. The match just ends. Well, it wasn't even a match. Oh, this wasn't a match? No. Oh. I think you got thrown off by that. There was no referee. They were both in, you know, I don't want to say street clothes. but <laughs> Norman was not in street clothes. But so yeah, I guess this is setting up what I assume will happen at Starcade. Yeah. Which, good. I'm kind of glad they're actually, like, doing this. Of like, oh, yeah, like, Finley was the champion. Yeah. He uh, deserves to still briefly. be the champion. Yeah. Kind of. Or at least have a shot to be the champion again. Commentary Tony notes that Jeff Jarrett versus Bret Hart will happen tonight. The Meng match is on, and the Outsiders versus Goldberg is on. Woo. Backstage, Liz and Lex talk. The maestro is still playing. He just plinks through the whole episode. They get Mike tonight interviewing the outsiders somewhere backstage. I did get a laugh at, um, he's like, surely Goldberg has a plan. I did get a kick out of what Scott Hall theorized Goldberg's plan was. Did you catch this? No. What's his plan? Spear, spear, jackhammer, jackhammer. Oh, I did catch that because yes, that is exactly what his plan is. (laughs) Yeah, probably. 100%. He only has three moves. Hall and Nash mumble and Nash once again says they're getting the band back together. That's what kills me is the mumbling. They mumble so much. And then you're like, is he slurring? I'm like, no, I think that's just how he talks. Yeah. I don't, he could be drunk, but I don't know. Elsewhere backstage, Chavo tries to sell the Italians some gold chains. They threaten <laughs> him if these are fake. Maestro is still there. And then we go to Mike Tanay interviewing Slappy. We are doing so many backstage segments. Would it's you all Mike Tanay. Emily, would you believe it? Jeff Jarrett's the chosen one. What? Harry he's, Potter? He says he's going to leave the WCW champion. Good for you. Let's go to our second match, Jesus this is Christ. This second match. Oh, my God. I New- guess I thought that the Norman Smiley match was a match. No. Wow. Wow. Just a, just a segment. This is terrible. This is a terrible episode. New Cruiserweight champion Evan Courageous with Medusa versus Perry Saturn with Asia. <sighs> Courageous makes out with Medusa and then gets suplexed. Saturn gets distracted and then is almost rolled up. Saturn beats down Courageous and then a fucking hippie comes out. I love his name. It's Brad Armstrong, but he has a new gimmick. He's Buzzkill. Which is the best name. It's not a good If you're trying to like shit on a hippie character, Buzzkill, amazing. I mean, I don't like the character. I don't like the characterization. I don't like what it stands for. Anything like that. But it's funny. Look. Call a spade a spade. It's funny. <laughs> Look, the best line of this was Bobby here to go like, how do you do, Mr. Kill? Yes. Okay. Do you think we'll ever see Buzzkill again? I think so. Yeah. I don't. I they think this is going to launch give into, him enough. I think this is going to launch into a weekly thing where Brad Armstrong comes to commentary every week with a new gimmick. But until he finds his niche. Ooh. That's my prediction. <laughs> You've watched a lot of wrestling. I can tell uh-huh. you that. Uh, no, I think. Well, Mr. Show does it in the early 2000s. <laughs> there's a trick element to my answer. Do tell. If I recall, the question was, do you think we'll see Buzzkill again? 
Correct. Um, I don't think we'll see him again. I think Thunder and Saturday Night will. Fair, but I still don't, I don't think that we're done seeing Brad Armstrong on Nitro. I think I, I think this is a thing for what it's worth. I could be wrong. I hope you're wrong. Uh, oh, there's a match. Perry Saturn wins with the Rings of Saturn. Like he, he, he it's close to jobbing courageous out. Like you could make the yeah. case either way, but this is so nothing. I hate. I know that they're doing this, and I kind of hate it. But they are using the matches as like talk show segments. No one gives a shit about the wrestling happening in the ring. It's all about what's happening on commentary. And this happened for like three matches now. But even then, they didn't give him enough time to say anything. The match is like 30 seconds. (laughs) They have to have... I I guarantee there's some sort of like... There have to be a certain number of matches or something. Or you have to have X percentage of your show be wrestling for it to be called a wrestling show or something like that. No, it's just... I don't know. But they aren't focusing on the wrestling at all in the show. There's like two matches that we actually see from start to finish. Well, this whole match is here to set up the post-match segment, which is the women then start fighting. The crowd loses their fucking minds. Holy shit. I mean, 99 men. 99 horny men. Yeah, it's like Medusa goes like reaching the ring and it's like fucking, you know, Austin WrestleMania 17 pop. And I'm like, Jesus. It's ridiculous. It's gross. Because you know that they don't want to watch them wrestle. You don't want them to have a quality match. You want to see titties. That's it. Nasty. We'll get a little more of that later. Backstage, Kidman Kidman like, interrupts Mike Tanay's question, but we don't hear Mike Tanay's question. It, it was like weird audio issues, and he's like, enough of that, Mike. And it's like, oh, I didn't hear, even hear what he said. So uh, Yeah, I didn't even catch that. He challenges Eddie Guerrero to a match as Tori looks sad. Um, by the Tori way, the maestro is still playing in the segment. Yep, he plinks along. The Misfits and Vampiro is here, and so is Oklahoma and Steve Williams. Thank God. Yeah, we already did this. Thank God they're here again, though. I missed them. We then get Eddie Guerrero getting interviewed, and oh, honey. Oh, Eddie Guerrero is um, very, very blatantly reading his promo (laughs) off cue cards. Yes, you can see his eyes traveling. Yeah, and it's not a good promo, and like you can see him almost like question even what he's reading like yeah that's okay that's the one the man's phoning it in he's done he's over it um, he knows what he's doing is shit and he's ready to move on yeah or or maybe he's just very distracted by the fucking piano in the background maybe it's really distracting it's hard to focus on anything's being said we didn't get our third match tonight is vampiro with the misfits vampiro. like all of them versus the wall with berlin get some nitro stills from the pay-per-view and then oklahoma comes out he yells Vampiro. Every week, Vampiro does look a little bit more undead. Like, he just finds more white paint to put on his face. It's kind of impressive in, like, a makeup sense. But also, like, terrifying. The wall beats down Vampiro and throws him back in the ring. The misfits attack him. The ref is just literally looking at this going. He's staring at them. Well, he does the thing first where he's trying not to see. And then I guess he looks too much. He's like, well, I guess I have to look at this. He's, like, blatantly looking. He's He's staring down at them. Vampiro hits kicks and the wall goes for a choke slam, but Berlin comes in, hits Vampiro with a chair for some reason, and um, it's DQ. Post match, the Germans argue. Berlin slaps the wall and then he's like, "Oh, what have I done?" And then runs to the back. The wall chases him, and then one of the misfits calls out Steve Williams for some reason. Steve Williams gets in the ring, very awkwardly beats down the misfits. Like this is a timing oh, issue this. on Steve Williams's part. This is like. Misfits are untrained, but even then, he's like, now? No. It looks like he's untrained. Yeah, I'm like... I completely forgot that this happened. I didn't even take a note of it. 
Yeah, timing's off, and it definitely looks like it's Steve Williams' fault. And then the timing's off for like the the end of this, which is Vampiro hitting a kick. Like they do like a pause, like Ugh. now. But yeah, Vampiro kicks him. He goes to the floor, and then Oklahoma holds him back. Um, I hate a lot of this. <laughs> this right. whole show is so fucking lame so far. Why would why would I not change the channel? Like, is it even aggressively bad or is it just it's, lame? It's just lame. It's really lame. That's the only word I can think of to describe this. It's not even bad. It's it's just like why would I not change the channel? Literally, why would I not see what's going on on any other channel? Not even a wrestling show. Like maybe fucking Seinfeld's on. I don't know. Like, why would I watch this? Wow, if you're watching Seinfeld, you must really hate. This I show. know. <laughs> Sorry, maybe Friends is on. <laughs> Backstage, Jeff Jarrett and Bret Hart head to the ring. Looks like their match is coming up next. Let's get Liz backstage. She hides in a shark cage. Why is a shark what? cage there? Who knows? What is her goal here? Well, it's basically, if I sit in here, I you can't make me go have a match because you can't get me out. But Lex Luger is very driven for her to have a match. You don't think that he could like get somebody to come cut this cage up? Well... I don't think that this is it, girl. I, I think you need to find a better option to hide, if that's your goal. Outside, a limo pulls up, and then we get our WWE title match. In the middle of the fucking show. Not even. It's the top of the second hour. Oh, well. It's Jeff Jarrett with creative control versus Bret Hart. Oh my God, so Jeff comes out show. wearing the belt, so even in his first title defense, Bret Hart doesn't get to have nice things. I know. Jarrett also gets in-ring pyro, which... I was like, God, not a lot of people have in-ring pyro. Mm-mm. But I don't think Jeff Jarrett should be the one to have it. No, well, I don't think a, he's earned it. He's the chosen one. He does. He has not earned it. Did he vanquish the Dark Lord when he was a babe? Vanquish is relative. As soon as Brett gets in the ring, they start brawling. They go to the outside. God damn it. And throw each other around. I'm so bored! <laughs> Brett works Jarrett over in the ring. Jarrett drops Brett onto the ropes and Brett crashes to the floor. They brawl outside. Oh, my God. Classic Jarrett. I'm so bored. Get in the fucking ring. Jeff punches Brett on the announce table and then throws Brett back inside. And hits Thank a, you. It's a diving punch. I'm like, okay. It's like a Superman punch, kind of? Eh, kind of. Kind of. They trade shots Jeff, until no. Jarrett rolls Brett up, but Brett kicks out. Jarrett locks in a sleeper, but Brett gets out on the first arm drop. I'm but I was, so proud of you for not calling it a Glargay sleeper. I think like you're proud of Brett that he was like, literally first arm drop, no, I'm still awake. Well, no, that made sense for Brett. But like in the last episode that we put I out, know. you called every sleeper a Glargay sleeper and there was never a Glargay. He has to say something. Yeah, he does. Thank you for acknowledging. Though I am wondering, is he saying something, but WWE doesn't, doesn't mic the ring well. Because they're all shouting at each other. Well, t- to be fair, in my defense, th- there's a match later where someone hits a chop and it makes no noise. True. So he could, this could have been a Glory Sleeper. We don't know. Double clothesline. Both men are down. They then get up. I was like, I was kind of exciting interference there. Russian leg sweep. Brett's rope elbow. Backbreaker from Brett. Superplex attempt, but Jarrett counters and hits a diving clothesline. Jarrett misses a drop kick and Brett goes for a sharpshooter, but Jarrett pushes him to the outside. Creative control go to go to interfere and they distract the ref. And they distract him enough for Dustin Rhodes to run in. He grabs the title belt, gets in the ring, and hits Jarrett with it. Creative control then chase him off. Brett gets back in the ring and is like, what the fuck happened? Why he is he just dead? Like shrugs and then pins Jeff Jarrett. Like, he literally like goes to go for the sharpshooter. He's like, no, this man's dead. Yeah, I'm just gonna pin him. It's like cool, free win. Yeah, that's the match. It wasn't bad. Boring. It it was a bit boring. I thought it actually made Jeff look on like on the level of Brett. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'd... I don't know. I was really unenthused well, by this He just doesn't have interesting offense to the problem. No, like he doesn't. In, like in kayfabe, he's on a level of Brett, I should say. Okay, Not... in kayfabe, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I was just so uninterested in this match. And I know it breaks your heart, but I have been pretty uninterested in all of Bret Hart's matches recently. It's funny because you're giving him MVP for like most. That's how low the bar is. You go backstage. Lex and Liz talk. Liz is in the cage. Lex feigns an apology and like gets the key and is just like, nope, I lied. Manipulative fucker. You're telling me Lex Luger is a gaslight gatekeep girl boss? He's not a girl boss. Gaslight gatekeep total package boss. Yeah, sure. Oh, by the way, the limo is still here. Who cares? Back from commercial, Liz asks for Sting's help. Sting's just like, nope. No, fuck you, man. <laughs> then we go to our previously set up match. It is Kidman with Tori Wilson versus Eddie Guerrero with Conan. Tori tries to talk Kidman out of the match as they're coming out. I do always laugh a little bit when it's two people from the same group doing a match because the music doesn't reset. They don't stop it, yeah. yeah. Which is sad. I really wanted to hear fucking Latino World Order again. I know. Never again, I guess. Was that the settle for uh, Chavo using it in 2002? Is this our last Eddie match? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit at the end. Kidman dies on to Eddie to start, and on commentary, they're like, yep, Arn Anderson has been fired. Um, they didn't know he was working here, and now they fired him. Which makes sense, but also sad. Which I didn't hear anything about this being a shooter work, so I think it's a work. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, the way they go on about it, like they're outraged, like it's clearly an, an injustice. So. Yeah. They trade hard quick shots early on. Eddie suplexes Kidman to the floor as Conan and Tori just have a chat like, I can't believe they're doing this. These crazy boys. Eddie whips Kidman into the barricade and throws him back inside. Back suplex from Eddie, but Kidman counters an Irish whip and hits a clothesline. Kidman goes for a leapfrog, but like hits his crotch on Eddie's face. It was a weird spot. Yeah, I don't know what, what was going on there. Uh, the Revolution then come out, attack Conan, and injure his arm. Eddie and Kidman just kind of keep fighting during this. They don't see it. Kidman goes for a shooting star press, but Tori gets to the apron and is like, Motherfucker, your friend got beat down. And Kidman's like, What? And it's enough to distract him that Eddie's able to hit a super underhook suplex, which I think both of us are like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Hit a frog splash and get the pin. They kind of see that Conan got hurt afterward. But this, much like some other recent matches, just like, remember what we had? Remember, yeah. Remember Kidman and, and Eddie from like Starcade of the previous year? It really makes me sad. I don't like to think about it. Yeah. This was the most entertaining match for me so far because, like, the story build, but, like, the wrestling was not good. I mean, nothing about it was great. Yeah, it's like, we just... It was entertaining. I, I know you can do more. Yeah, that's the problem. And I feel like they know they can do more. And, yeah, for some reason, this is Eddie Guerrero's last WWE match. He doesn't leave until mid-January. I don't know why. I don't know if something happens yeah. on the upcoming episode or... Because, ironically, he's not hurt when he debuts... He's hurt by the end of his debut match in WWF. Oh, which is horrible. Yeah. It actually fucked up the the the, uh, the, the storyline of I the bet. SmackDown. Well, it was supposed to be the Radicals had to win two out of three to get contracts. And then Eddie broke his arm in the second match. And they're mm. like, he's like, just pin me. And so they ruined the story because he was supposed to win. Yeah. So it's like, ah, I'll give Benoit a match anyway. <laughs> what a prove. Recon. Yeah, I want to prove that these, these losers are nobodies. So... Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Eddie Guerrero in the meantime, but we'll have a uh, more in-depth Eddie Guerrero chat at Sold Out. Okay. When the Radicals leave, I feel like that's the more appropriate okay. time. Because also, we don't know what the hell else is going to happen with Eddie Guerrero. 
True. I, I've yeah. learned I learned from my warrior and Chris Jericho mistakes. <laughs> yeah, good. Then again, the Jericho one. Who the fuck would have known that? <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> the dogs. We go backstage to the room, so creative controller there. Neither one wants to be Patrick and Vince Russo wants to see Jim Duggan. He's also like, and I want to know who's in that goddamn limo. He becomes obsessed with this limo. Why? It's a limo. Why don't you go look? Elsewhere backstage, a forklift comes to get Liz. Back from commercial, Duggan is told to go see Russo. Takes his time to do so. Sure do. We get Mike today interviewing Spice. Spice is reluctant, but it's like, there's no other way. Then we get Sky once again pleading her case. I'm like, we, we did this. Stacy Sky, you've already done this. Let's go to what I'm sure is to be match of the night. <laughs> it's Meng versus Elizabeth. Sure. This will be something. Liz gets forked out to the ring and they actually put the cage in the ring. They ring the bell with Liz still in the cage. Like, yep, and Meng match is, is like on. beating down the cage. Why? Luger then gets in the ring, offers Meng the key, and Meng is like, Nah, and tongue and death grips Luger. Good for him. I laugh, kind of laughed my ass off. Yeah. Like, how fucking slimy Lex Luger is. No, I loved that. I thought that was great. That was so, like, you get what you get. Yeah. Like, you deserve It was this. like, look, dude, I'm mad at both of you. Like, this doesn't make up for anything. No. Meng starts pulling the bars off the cage. So Sting runs out Which and hits Meng, hits Meng with the baseball bat to save Liz. Sting and Liz leave, but they don't really leave together, it didn't feel like. No, it was like, very they leave much at the same time separately. I think that like it, it was really more of Sting came down to help Liz because it was the right thing to do, not that he wanted to do it. Yeah, it's like if you saw a woman who like, you know, is a bitch but like doesn't deserve to get murdered. Yeah, he's not happy with Liz. Like he yeah. doesn't want to be like Liz's savior, but he doesn't want her to get killed by Meng. Yeah. He's like, "No, this is the right thing to do, but I'm not going to like revel in it." We go backstage, Goldberg chats with somebody we don't see. The limo is still here. Jim Duggan's still backstage. He then hops on the piano with the maestro and he's like, play chopsticks and just kind of smashes the, the keys. The maestro is just mugging for the camera over and yeah. over again. Yeah. Also, and I don't think Jim Duggan knows what chopsticks is. No. <laughs> I did write, look, it's Ryan Shamrock. I don't, I don't understand that reference. Uh, she is a, um, I don't know, a wrestler. Somebody, woman who appeared in WWE. In character, she was the sister of Ken Shamrock. In real life, she was the girlfriend of Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. was a whole story with her and Val Venus. And, oh, yeah. Uh, she did join the Pretty Mean Sisters at one point. I remember the storyline. Yeah. Is that her, actually? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I don't know why they would have hired her. Yeah, she's just a pretty person. Go from that to Lash LaRue versus the Disco Inferno. No dancing for Disco as he keeps looking over his shoulder while he's coming out for his entrance. This is really just a question of how long until Tony Marinara and the goons interfere. Yeah, they start quick, trade arm drags, and the, and the Italians come out. Yeah. The goons. Don't stereotype them. You don't know they're Italian. What if they're Irish? One of the goons accidentally trips up LaRue and Tony keeps getting on the apron. Disco goes for a last dance, but it gets countered and they trade pin attempts. LaRue hits Whiplash and wins, so the Italians get in the ring, and they throw him out of the ring as well as the ref. And they just kick Disco Inferno. Yeah. They're, they like beating, they're beating down, they're getting ready to murder him, and yeah. Shivani's like, well, there's nothing anybody can do about this. It's like... There's a lot that a lot of people can there do. There are laws. <laughs> you are all just bystanders. But Tony is wrong, because Lasher then brings a chair in the ring, attacks the Italians, and then locks in a very loose sleeper. Oh, on, yeah. on Tony Marinara. Well, and I then, think those chair shots were pretty light, too. We, we'll get worse. 
But Lashley puts Tony to sleeper. And then, for good measure, him and Disco put Marinara in a body bag. What? <laughs> Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. Or he might end up in a body bag. Shit, Lash LaRue's rebooting the wolf pack. Um, Disco is kind of like horrified once he realizes what he's done. And he just runs. But I did write, this angle is escalating and I don't know yeah. how far it can escalate. I think one of them is going to kill the other. I don't, I don't know the future of Tony Marinara. So I, I was going to say, I know, like, I, I know some future about, you know, Vito and, and Johnny the Bull. I don't know shit about Tony Marinara. I think Tony's about to get killed. Wait, is it going to be by, by Johnny the Bull? Because, you know, he, he goes on to become Relic. And Emily, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but Relic is killer spelled backwards. What? Is he going to kill Tony Marinara? And become Relic. Maybe that's his origin story. Ooh, we're building the lore. Oh, Christ. We have so much left. Creative control, investigate the limo. Back from commercial, the alarm's going off and the police are here and they're like, what's going on? It's like, we're just trying to figure out whose limo this is. I, I didn't get why that this was warranted it. Yeah. police. Why were the police here? And they're like, whose is it? And it's like, that's, that's literally know. why we're here. So then we go to the room, so. Jim Duggan's there. They talk a lot. My main takeaway is Russo's like, yeah, I got the runs and I took a big old shit. And you got to take this toothbrush and clean it up. Vince Russo is mad that Jim Duggan pooped in his toilet last week. Yeah. And so he's like, for payback, I'm going to poop and you have to clean up after me. No, he already has pooped. Yeah. Which, remember that. Okay. The whole thing is here that Russo took a big old shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The toilet's not dirty. No. Yeah. Also, clean clean this toilet with a toothbrush. You're in an arena. I don't know, man. <sighs> Let's go to the Battle of the Nitro Girls. It is, I'm dying. It I fucking Spice hate this show. versus Tigress. I am so bored. I hate this show so much. I'm having a really hard time. I thought that I would be able to find a best bit talking through the show. I, I got nothing. I think I might have an MVP. As I have an MVP. I don't have a best bit. Uh, Spice is in a schoolgirl outfit. Mm, of course. She does look very cute, though. I'll give her that. Tigress is in a leopard print jumpsuit with a whip. By the way, can we just acknowledge that AC Jazz is just not a part of this fucking yeah, where did story? Where she go? What happened to her? I don't know. <laughs> did she quit? Spice tries to apologize, but Tigress slaps her. Um, they certainly do things. There's a lot of hand waving. Spice hits a spear. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she does hit a snapmare, and Tony Schiavone loses his fucking mind on commentary. Tigress, I guess, rakes the eyes. I fucking missed this. But I this... guess, but now there's like an injury to Spice's eye. Sky gets in the ring and looks over Spice. Charles Robinson looks at her as well. He's like, I'm calling for the bell. You can't continue. But Stacy Spice also has a like a bag or something with her. <laughs> Her name's not Stacy Spice. <laughs> She's a Spice Girl. Her name is Sky. She's a Spice Girl. Stacy Spice. So she has like a little like, like makeup a, a, bag with her. It doesn't look like a makeup bag at first. It just looks like a purse. And I guess that's what makeup bags looked like in the nineties. I don't remember. <laughs> but as they're leaving, Sky hits Spice with the makeup bag. And my exact wording in my notes is I've seen better Hulk Hogan chair shots. <laughs> this I cannot sell how bad this hit was. Ugh, 
but then it, it it's enough to knock out spice yeah well yeah it, well she's she's conked she's out she, she's conked but i guess she must have been really happy about getting conked oh yeah because, because then stacy spice and tigress like take all the makeup that's in the bag and draw all over spice's face and, she, and she's giggling yeah she's just <laughs> smiling the whole just fucking corpsing <laughs> oh my god this this wasn't anything but i i got a good laugh out of how abysmal well, the fucking even, makeup bag we shot even was. acknowledged in her package that stacy keebler is not a good dancer she does not move her body well those legs they stay where they are for days they don't move she's not great oh god yeah <laughs> like it was the the, the second was bad but I almost wanted to go, just go find it for that. Just for the makeup shot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's rough. I had such high hopes. The fucking Botchamania special on that. I had such high hopes for the Nitro Girls and that whole competition, and I just got screwed. This is my screw job. Yeah. We're get backstage, Mike tonight interviewing Meng. He's actually talking. Yeah. I didn't think he was gonna. Piano's still going. Of course it is. Meng, like, fully issues a challenge. It's like, all right, Sting, I want you. No DQ match. Like, yeah. bring, the, bring the bat. I don't give a shit. And then, like, also, like, half threatens to hit his death grip on Mike today. <laughs> he tried. Bless him, you know? They write him like a buffoon, so it's it, they at least gave him a minute to actually talk like a person. They write him as Donkey Kong. They do write him as Donkey Kong, but he's a person. Kurt Hennig comes out to the ring, hugs Bobby first, shakes Tony's hand. Says he's here to say thank you and gets a standing ovation and perfect chance. Yeah, then he just leaves. He's like, almost immediately just leaves. Doesn't say Yeah, commentary's like, oh, he's he's too choked up. But then go backstage, limo door opens. Which means, I didn't realize this, the entire time the alarm was going off, the person was in there. Yeah. I figured they left by that point. No, I guess not. I don't remember ever seeing the limo door opening because the person that's in it, we never see him come out. No, limo door does open before a commercial. Oh, okay. We then go to the bathroom Russo was talking about. Duggan finds Russo's toothbrush and uses that to clean a fairly clean toilet. Yeah, but like still was, gross. I mean, poop, but... Yeah, but it was like... I was expecting a fucking mess of a dump. They, they could have done more, but I'm wondering if they were like held back by like TV standards or something. Well, come know. on, put a baby Ruth in there. Ew. But still, I clean our toilet like pretty much once a week. Like, do you want me to rub your toothbrush on our toilet? No, my point yeah, being, gross. they set this up to be something like like a fucking, they set this up to be yeah. a crime scene. I know, it, it could have been stinky. Like, it's like a toilet. Could have been stinky. Then they go to the arena and we hear some bagpipes. It's Roddy Piper. What? See, he gets a big pop for his return. Yes. He gets the pop that, um, that Finley does not get. So while he's coming out, Bobby notes that Roddy was filming a movie. Uh, upon looking up what movie they're talking about. Um, it's nothing good. What was it? I don't know. It's either Jack of Hearts or Last to Surrender. Okay. Not heard of any of these movies, and I can't, like, there's nothing in 2000, like, coming out the upcoming year. I'm like, oh, it's this, so I don't know. Well, I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was a box office hit. It's no Hell Comes to Frogtown. (laughs) Piper fires up the crowd with local sports references. He then says the WCW doesn't need writers. And, like, insinuates that they're gay, but also <laughs> says that they write about sex all the time because they can't get any. It's an arguably funny joke. Yeah. Uh, Piper's mic is then cut. He goes for a second one, and that one's cut. He goes over to the commentary, and Tony Schiavone informs him that the producers were told to cut his mic. Like, sorry to be the one to tell you. Like, not my fault. 
Piper then starts going backstage, like grabs a, a PA by like the scruff of his neck and is like, show me where the room so is. But this poor PA was like, please, I'll be fired. I'll be fired. And Roddy Piper, bless him. He's like, if you get fired, I'll hire you as my personal assistant. Like, okay, cool. Job security. Yeah. Is he still like the commissioner or vice president? Oh, who fucking knows? Because, yeah, last we saw him, he was the vice president was. of WCW and under, under Flair. Flair had just come out of the mental hospital with Asia as his doctor. Well, well it was Flair lost the presidency. Yeah. And we never heard Piper's words on this. No. I want to say, like, the boxing match with Buff was around this time. Oh, God. And Judy. That was so long ago, it feels. I know. So Piper storms into the room, so, and is like, You! You're the one who's been doing all this. And I'm like, he says, you're the guy that's ruining my sport. But he's surprised to see Vince Russo. So he doesn't know that. It's they Vince mentioned Russo. him all the fucking time. No, they mentioned the powers that be. Well, they also mentioned that when they got hired, they're like, we got new writers. It's Vince Russo. Oh. Also, you didn't get like, Piper. You don't talk to anybody. Nah, that doesn't shock me. So, yeah, he says that Russo is ruining people's lives and threatens to beat Russo to death with a baseball bat if he ever cuts his mic again. Russo says the Piper needs a reality check and runs down Piper and tells him to go join Flair and Hogan. Piper says he's got two years on his contract and threatens to sue because he's like, you know, appearance like guarantees. Mm -hmm. Russo says that Piper is now a ref and threatens to sue Piper for breach of contract if, if he refuses. Piper leaves and then just starts yelling, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's losing his fucking mind. Yeah, That'll goes in his limo and leaves. That would be interesting. Yeah, uh, it's not the most memorable uh, Vince Russo Roddy Piper segment I can think of in my brain, but oh no, uh, it's the one in TNA where Roddy Piper tells Vince Russo that he murdered Owen Hart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, did Vince Russo write that? We actually randomly stumbled upon it one day. It was like. Random, like that episode was like randomly on, on like stadium or something. Like yeah. one of those like, random channels. Like, why are they airing this random episode of TNA from like 2002, 2003? And I'm like, oh my God, it's this one. Yeah, because at that time, Vince Russo was like, yo, I'm the antichrist of professional wrestling, bro. Oh my God. Well, you are. Yeah. And, and Piper's thing is like, no, don't give, don't give yourself so much credit. You're the Bin Laden of professional wrestling. Oh my God. It's like 2002. So. So let's let's keep going. We got a bit left. Yeah, I know. This is a show that never ends. We got Buff Bagwell versus Booker T. And Booker T has a collector can of Surge. He's finally made it. <laughs> Mama, I made it. So Buff laughs at Booker when like he comes out doing the like doing Booker's like raise the roof thing and then go t- then tells him to go fuck himself. I'm like, what? Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm like, wait, are, why are you a heel now? Oh. Booker hits a spin kick and then he sees creative control at ringside. There's a lot of chat here from commentary being like, oh, I guess since Buff uh, retired Kurt Hennig, he's on creative control's good side. Is that the thing they're going with? They said that throughout like this entire match. Buff was so like against the powers that be. We'll get there. Vertical suplex from Booker. uh, Buff hits a drop kick and they go outside. Harlem sidekick once they end up back inside. Then a flapjack and a spin and Rooney. Creative Control get on the apron, which distracts Booker enough for Buff to hit a blockbuster and gets the pin. And, um, yeah, commentary the whole time was like, oh, I guess he's in their good graces. Creative Control then attack Buff. Of course. This is when I noticed that not one match has gone longer than five minutes. Kurt Hennig comes out, hits a Hennig plex on Buff, and pins him with a count from Creative Control. The lights go out. Midnight is here. Of course. She and Booker beat down Creative Control. I think 
Kurenig already is already bailed for this. Yeah. But holy shit, Midnight's Thighs. Yeah. That woman is jacked. Yeah. It's scary. But yeah, none of these matches are going any length of time. They're all like maybe five minutes. Yeah, random tweener role for Buff here. I don't really get what the point of it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know. He, Booker comes out and he's, he's like, oh yeah, your dance is stupid. And I'm like, go fuck yourself, Buff. Yeah. Let's follow up with this in the room. So Henning has joined up with the powers of the bee and he seems to have leapfrogged creative control in terms of the power hierarchy. It's like I cannot figure out this hierarchy. Yeah, it's like, all right, you're my now, guy. Yeah, he's like Russo's right hand man now all of a sudden. Which I'm like, is it him or is it Jarrett? I don't is Kurt the chosen one? Yeah, so Russo tells Creative Control to go find Juventud Guerrera. We'll get a little more on that later. We got Mike today interviewing Sting about his upcoming match with Meng. Liz interrupts and offers to manage Sting. Sting's like, no. No, go away. Sting has gotten turned on too many times. He's like, I, I, I see this. Sting, like me, is very over Miss Elizabeth. Like, please leave. Uh, they also still don't address the maestro playing. He's still playing! Let's go to a match set up earlier, which I really thought would have happened next week and not later tonight. Yeah. It is Medusa with Evan Courageous versus Asia with Saturn. Asia charges Medusa and they fall outside. Some very awkward action out there. Uh-huh. Back inside, Medusa's like getting in the ring and has to be like, kick me in the head. Like, oh, yeah. This is the one that's super telegraphed, right? Yeah. Like, she literally like slapping her head, like, kick me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Going full Jessica Carr on the uh, final SmackDown of, oh of uh, 2022. I have never heard a ref so loud. Like, I have never heard a ref call spots as loud as Jessica Carr did for the John Cena match. Look, she's just paying tribute to John. But, like, still. We got a rest hold for some reason. I'm like, you guys didn't do anything. What are you resting for? Medusa powers her up into an electric chair drop in a pretty impressive spot. Yeah, Medusa's not a bad wrestler. She's good. Asia's also good. Like, we can have a good match between these girls. Medusa works over Asia, including a second rope drop kick. Asia throws Medusa off the top rope and then locks her in a triangle choke type move. I don't really know what it was. Evan Courageous goes to get in the ring. Saturn stops him and Medusa taps. That's it. That's it. This Again, was, like two minutes. This was unfortunate. Why? I thought this was kind of bad. I didn't think it, 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 it... The crowd didn't care as much as they did earlier. And no. I'm like, it's just... Because this wasn't a cat fight. Yeah. It's basically telling the people in charge, like, oh, yeah, you don't need to have women wrestle. No. Like, that's going to be their takeaway. Is the, that's why it's unfortunate to me. It like, is unfortunate. I was really hoping this was going to be more fun, more like, more power moves than these two. Fuck yeah. Because they know. could actually put together a good match. There was a funny moment either here or in the last segment where they talk about... How how strong Midnight and Asia might be compared to each other, and clearly they're told stop talking about that. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like one line. Like, no, 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 no. Oh. Don't, we're not going to do that. Stop teasing it. It's such a shame because like Medusa is a good wrestler. She is, but we'll never see it. Yeah. Speaking of good wrestlers who are doing things they shouldn't be doing, Mike today interviews Dean Malenko. Dean is in a Canadian hockey jersey for some reason while shooting on Canada. It's really confusing. He says he's going to change Canada's theme song from Oh Canada to Burn Canada Burn. He's going to basically he's going to burn the Canadian flag. Maestro was playing during this, by the way. Yeah, I know. We didn't get Dean Malenko versus Chris Benoit in a flag match. Okay, so the way that I understood these rules, there are two flags, full-sized flags on fucking poles. In because of course they are in the ring. There's a Canadian flag and there's an American flag. The way I understood it was the winner of the match would be the winner to retrieve the flag of their country. So if Dean were to get the American flag, he would win. If Benoit were to get the Canadian flag, he would win. Well, it's funny you that's say how that I understood because that. that's also how commentary understands yeah. it. Yeah. That's not what happens here. 
Chris Benoit does have lasers at his entrance now. Holy like, oh. lasers. Yeah. Malenko tries to attack Benoit getting in the ring, but Benoit dodges it. And we get USA chance, you fucking idiots. There's no heel face dynamic, Nick. Just let Dean Winkler's totally a fucking heel here. Let it go. But he's American, so that he wins. Like that's that's it. Did they did they get confused because he's wearing a Canada jersey? Did they think he was Canadian? Yeah. But Benoit's the Canadian crippler. Benoit manages to get the Canada jersey off of Dean in like a really cool kind of like beal spot where he, he throws him and the jersey just comes off. It was cool. He then chokes him with it in a really uncomfy spot. Yeah, but don't worry. We get some uh, snot rockets, so it'll be fine. Then Chris Benoit goes out and grabs the can of gasoline that Dean Malenko brought to the ring with him. And he just kind of walks around until he's low blowed. I don't know yeah, what don't the plan what was there. I don't the point of that was. He just looms with it. So I'm like, are you going to burn Dean Malenko alive? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you're the face. Please he's on don't do fire. That. Benoit chops Dean in the corner. Which is where we get the silent chops. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, is this where the silent chops were? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm like, Benoit chops are silent? What the hell? Mm. He goes for a running drop kick, but Dean dodges it. Dean then goes for the Canadian flag, but commentary points out that's not how you win the match. Okay. Yeah. And then he goes for it a second time and gets it and wins. So we were all confused. <laughs> yeah. The wrestlers were confused. Commentary was confused. Yannis was confused. What the hell was happening? Dean works Benoit over with the flag and then spits on it. Revolution come out, and they have a trash can. They're getting ready to burn the Canadian flag. But then Perry Saturn grabs the American flag. And I did laugh because I guess it gets a little jammed, and he's just having none of it and just breaks it off immediately. <laughs> like, no, we're not, I don't... Not playing this game? Yeah. Wanted it to be easy like the pinata. You know what it was? He 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 remembers the um, his match with Eddie, where Eddie had to climb the pole, and he kept sliding off. And oh, Eddie like, wasn't nope. tall enough to reach. It's like, no, just quick finish. I don't give a shit. Yeah, we're not playing this game. So they're going to burn both flags... Bret Hart comes out to a very, like, minimal kind of sad pop. Why is Bret Hart, like, the voice of reason with WCW? It's like he's the dad. He's like, kids, get your shit together. We're wrestling here. We're not playing fucking games. Stop burning flags. <laughs> Didn't think I have to tell you this. Yeah, he stops the whole thing. His heart did not seem into this running. No. Smash made me sad. Yeah, well. And I don't, like, I don't know how many more of these Chris Benoit team Lego matches we have left, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want any more, but I also want them to redeem themselves. Yeah. Redeem themselves. Redeem. I don't think that you should uh, expect that. Let's go backstage. Creative Control has brought Juventud Guerrero to Vince Russo. And apparently there's an issue with his work visa, which I think is just an excuse to uh, have Juvi offer him a bottle of tequila. It's like, is it the good stuff? It's like, of course. Russo drinks some. Apparently it sucks. Then It's tequila. Yeah. It's gross. <laughs> Russo tells Credit Control, go get my toothbrush. It's like, oh. It's poopy. Emily, only two matches left. Oh, it's, my God. Sting versus Meng. Oh, God. Sting is still in his leather pants and tank top attire, so. But he has the bat. Yeah, he has the bat. Meng immediately takes the fight to Sting. Liz comes out to ringside. Why is she fucking here? Meng misses an elbow drop and gets drop kicked to the floor. Liz goes to cheat, but Sting stops her. It's like, yeah, because why are you here? Yeah. Back inside, Stinger Splash times two. Luger comes out, Sting attacks him. Meng locks in the tongue and death grip and wins. That move is so overpowered. This was really quick. Why the fuck was Liz here? Liz ruined everything. No one invited her. I do appreciate that they are using a story between two characters to get a third character over. I guess, yeah. Like, Meng does feel... Meng looks yeah, great. Yeah, he, he like, feels legitimate here where... Obviously, you're not gonna, but like you, you know, you could put him 
going for the U.S. title or for like the even maybe in the world title. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's he's getting elevated. Yeah, no, he absolutely is. Backstage, the Outsiders and Goldberg head to the ring, and let's go to this man one final time. The Maestro is still playing. David Flair comes in, yells, "Make it stop!" and then kills the piano with a crowbar. My fucking hero. Are you kidding me? No. We don't praise David Flair on this podcast. You're gonna be really mad later. Are you kidding me? No. He did the one thing that I desperately wanted to do the entire episode. By the way, I just realized no TDP, no Kimberly, no, no Canyon. This is such. This is a filler episode. This is such a filler episode. Let's go to the main event. It's the Outsiders versus Goldberg and a mystery partner. Nash is wearing the TV title for some reason. Because <laughs> why not? And Tony finally explains, hey, at the pay-per-view, Hall became a double champion. Finally, yeah. We all knew it, but like, at least you are vocalizing it. Now, Emily, who was your guess for who his partner was going to be? I didn't really have a good guess. I was hoping it'd be somebody like, you know, DDP, but I didn't really have a good guess. Yeah, I correctly predicted it because I was like, yeah, what's the did. stupidest thing they could do? I also was so uninterested in this episode, I didn't think about it. I didn't give it the the like, the like thought. Well, I didn't deserve it. Like the one main eventer we haven't seen yet tonight, it's Sid Vicious. You know, the man Goldberg fought at the last two pay-per-views. They should be like mortal enemies, right? Sid- no, Sid is so fucking happy to He's be here. He's amped. He is giddy. I really wanted him to yell, who's the man? He did not. You sure he didn't? He was yelling a lot. Down I mean, the maybe he did. And then the match starts. Would you believe it? They stall. What? Sid overpowers Hall early Wait, on. Wait, do they go to the corner? They do. Well, they take a little while. But they get there. Yeah. Sid goes for a choke slam, but Nash stops him from the apron. Nash comes in, hit strikes. What else? Big boot to Nash. Goldberg tags in, underhook suplex, followed by a sidekick. Hall tags in. Goldberg overpowers him and hits, and hits a power slam. Nash distracts Goldberg and the two start working him over. Nash works Goldberg over in the corner, including a framed-up elbow with double crotch chops. Gross. Goldberg tags Sid, but the ref misses it. Classic DDB, which was even more elevated by Goldberg doing the lift the person closer to the tag spot. And I'm like, yeah. you took this directly oh, from that Oh, yeah. Moment. It's a good move. Goldberg then hits a double clothesline, but ends up on the floor. Then Sid comes in, is told by the ref, no, you're not the legal man. The ref turns around, sees Goldberg out on the floor. Sid comes in again, just beats down the outsiders, chokeslam to Hall, and then we get a spear from Goldberg to Hall. The ref then tells Goldberg, get out of the ring. You're not the legal man. And I'm like, we, what? what? the fuck? Pick one. Pick a battle. Fight it. So then we get a powerbomb to, to Scott Hall, and he goes to pin Hall while the ref's back is turned, dealing with Goldberg. Kevin Nash hits an elbow drop. This knocks out Sid and... Hall gets the win. And that's it. I'm like, yeah? That's all it took. Goldberg and Nash brawl and security breaks it up. The bell then rings about 90 seconds straight to go off the air. (sighs) What a slog of a show to get through. (sighs) Any thoughts on the main event? I really did like the energy that Sid brought to it when he came out. Yeah, that was was fun. That was the only saving grace that I thought it was stupid, but I'm like, you know what? Hey, someone's happy. Yeah, exactly. Someone's in a good mood. Yeah, he like brought a little bit of levity to me for a minute and there is the little bit of logic of honestly the build to goldberg and sid at mayhem didn't feel like a build for them it was like cool both these guys are feuding with with the outsiders which also doesn't really do a lot for the fact that they're doing bret hart versus goldberg at starcade and neither man is really feuding with each other yeah and it also is not really like that hyped yeah and starcade's what a couple weeks away yeah yeah it's not far I mean, you got a little bit of time, I guess, to build to it, but it's not a great first week of build, and 
I yeah, I I don't know that they know what they're doing. What? They don't have a plan. <sighs> Speaking of not knowing what's gonna happen or what we're doing, let's go to best bit, potential worst bit, and MVP. Emily, what is your best <sighs> bit? Listen, there wasn't much. Oh, it's slim pickings. The pickings, they are slim. I, I guess I, Roddy Piper's return. Okay. Because it's like a new character that might be fun to watch moving forward. So that yeah. could be good. Yeah. It, it did feel like a, a breath of like, okay, this might shake things up. Exactly. Could be something different. What's what's your best pick? The makeup back shot. I, yeah, I could have seen that coming. <laughs> there really wasn't much else. There like, really wasn't. You're right. The, the pickings, they were slim. You know, if it was a match, maybe Kidman, Eddie. But even then, it's it, just like, it's it underwhelming. Match, yeah. It, do you it have was. A, do you have a worst bit? I don't have a worst bit. Full show was kind of the worst bit. Yeah, I, nothing. I mean, nothing stood out. I as could like give egregious. it to Oklahoma again, but it just you that know, that just seems beat, like a broken record. Beating a dead horse, yeah. much like that gimmick is. Yeah, there was nothing that. I mean, match quality wise, maybe the Nitro Girls thing, but yeah, nothing was like nothing Jesus was kill me. It was yeah. it was more a slow descent rather yeah. than like I would like to die eventually. Yeah. Emily, who was your MVP? You're gonna get mad at me. It's David Flair for doing the one goddamn thing that I desperately want to do this whole episode. Destroy that piano. You might get mad at me for mine. What's yours? Stacy? No. Stacy no. Spice? <laughs> Not Stacy Spice. I'll give in mind to Lex Luger for Why? coming off, like, as a character, so fucking slimy. I mean, just, yeah. Yeah, it was just good character work. Of, yeah. Like... Like not even Liz can trust him. Just one of those like, okay, you know, we we got this sort of gets the key. Um, Fuck like, you. <laughs> like, yeah, doesn't even like, give it a breath. It's no. Like, no. <laughs> you thought. You have been deceived. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay, this might be the first time we gave, we gave Lex Luger MVP. I think so. That's the true sign. Woof. Woof. <sighs> woof. Woof. But that's gonna do it for this episode of the Butts in the Seats podcast. Next up, episode sixty nine. Nice. The November 29th, 1999 Monday Night Show. The nicest episode of the Butts and Seas podcast. You know, it's kind of funny. The last podcast episode that we put out, we were saying, like, why aren't people listening to the, like, you should be listening to the Nitro episodes. That's where all the good content is. And then this is the episode that we come back with. Yeah. Fuck. Maybe next week will be better. I really doubt it. But until then, you can listen to all our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and I just found out because of our new uh, hosting site, Samsung Podcast. That's a thing. <laughs> Apparently. Cool. Welcome. And you can follow us on social media at Butts in the Pod on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Seats Podcast on Facebook. Emily, any closing thoughts for this uh, abysmal? Is it even really abysmal? Just this it was just ugh. wet fart of a show. <laughs> It's the first time we're sitting down to record a podcast in 2023. Yeah. So, happy new year. This is really a, a sign how things are going to go. It's going great. I'm happy to be alive. Look, we'll get the Starcade, and we'll have a lot to talk about there. Sure. But until then, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.